0: Welcome to the Breaking Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds who broke into tech. On today's episode, we're speaking with Kyle Woom, who is a software engineer at Twilio. Whenever you get a text message about your food delivery, shipping package, or an Uber ride, that messaging service is powered by Twilio. Now, can't believe it's already been a year since we launched last December. In short 12 months, we've had over 200,000 of you download our episodes from all over the world. Our Facebook community is over 10,000 strong now, and our guest stories have reached over 3 million people on social media. Big special shout-out to Iris, Adrian, Nuno, Ruben's brother David, and many others who are currently breaking into tech as we speak. Also, big shout-out to our team. Without who, this couldn't have been possible. Big thanks to Jerson, who edits all our episodes, Kate for all the show notes, Max for the beautiful pictures, and Nelson for recording the amazing startup video tours, Jennifer for the skillful articles on Entrepreneur, and finally, our two secret weapons, Angelo and Patrick, for helping us with growing our community. Big thanks to all our podcast guests who bravely told their stories, sharing their biggest fears and struggles. Without all of you, this community and podcast wouldn't have been possible. Ruben, Timur, and I are wishing you all happy holidays and happy new year. Now, without further ado, please enjoy this episode and let's break in.
1: Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger, we're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the x Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timo Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yes.
0: Yeah, so tonight we're recording this episode out of Twilio. It's 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night. We broke into their offices. Uh, we're one of the last people still here. We have a dope guest. So we're about to jump into the episode. Before we do so, we also wanted to remind all of our guests that we do listen to you. And uh, we've heard that a lot of you wanted to talk about topics like stock and equity, how do you level up, about internships. So on tonight's episode, we're going to do a closer dive and a closer look at how to get the internships and how can you leverage those internships in order to get the full-time offers. So with that said, Ruben, can you please introduce the guest?
1: Yeah, Timur. First of all, ATL. Is in the building. In yeah, our, yeah, yeah, Exactly, exactly. And so our guest today is Kyle Womb, who is from Decatur, where it's greater. And not only is he a full-stack engineer on the the messaging experience team at Twilio, but he is also a Georgia Tech grad that did four internships before this. He is part of the National Society of Black Engineers. He, we're going to talk about Greek life. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but before- Going into all of that, I just want to say, Kyle, welcome.
2: Yo, thank you for having me. I've been a big fan of breaking into startups, so it's great to be on the podcast and hoping that I can provide some value to the listeners like me.
1: No, man, we're excited awesome, to have man. you, too. Welcome. I remember um, Pratik is the one that introduced Pateek, yep. us to each other, and we happened to be in here and ran into each other and had to record, so shout out to Pateek. I'm and the whole Sun Trust. Main Street Banking family, <laughs> so uh, but yeah. So so Kyle, before going into you know ATL life, what's Twilio? What do you do on the team as a engineer on the messaging experience team?
2: Yeah, definitely. So Twilio, you may not have heard of Twilio, but I guarantee you, you use it on a daily basis, mm-hmm. or it finds its way to you.
1: <laughs> so
2: essentially, what Twilio is is a cloud communication platform that allows developers to integrate communication into their applications. So for example, different ride sharing apps, they use us. So if you've ever received a text message from Lyft, for example, saying your text message, your ride has arrived. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that phone number is a Twilio phone number and it was powered through Twilio's API. Yeah, And you sent that. We sent that exactly, <laughs> exactly. It.
0: Or if you guys like get uh, shipment notifications, or if you get like any communicate, most of the communication with businesses or e-commerce players
2: are done through your platform, right? Exactly. Say you got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Your doctor want to remind you. You get
1: the it says hello tomorrow. It's like
2: you have a appointment tomorrow. Yeah, that's Tulio. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Nice. And so on the messaging experience team you know, how does that look like? Like, what do you do on a day to day? What's a day in the life of Kyle Womb?
2: Yeah, definitely. So a day in the life of Kyle Womb, I usually wake up around 7.30 in the mm-hmm. morning, mm-hmm. do a little reading mm-hmm. and then come into the office, get in around like 9.30 Okay, and I start my day. So essentially we have daily standups and uh-huh. we have an agile sprint board. Okay. And so we see what what we want to work on for this sprint. And and for those out there that are unfamiliar with what a sprint is, it's essentially a two week, well, at Twilio, we have two week sprints. Each team varies actually, but my team has a two week sprint. It's where we put all the tasks that we want to accomplish for those two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we break them down into what we call tickets Mm -hmm. and they're bite-sized chunks of software that each individual contributor can write. And Mm -hmm. so we have tickets. And so I assign myself a ticket and I work on it. And then at the daily standup, I talk about what I did mm-hmm. the day before. Mm-hmm. I talk about what I'm currently working on and I talk about if there's any blockers. Mm-hmm. And stand standup is my team and my product manager who oversees the product and who has a lot of insight on what the product should be like. So if you have any questions, he's there. And so, yeah, and that's the agile methodology, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, the sprint process. And agile
0: has become very popular among tech companies because back in the day, you said waterfall, which is basically like you plan to build this thing, it's going to take you 12 months, and then you kind of work towards it. And then a lot of the time, it gets delayed, and there's a lot of issues with that process. And so, agile puts it on its head, and basically, you have short sprints, kind of bite sized units of work. Like Everyone should be able to work on any ticket individually without blocking anyone else. And then you have the project manager that whose job is to unblock people, right? Exactly. And teamwork could actually give us a little bit more insight because he used to work as a project manager back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I think what Arthur said pretty much covers it. But I would say the biggest thing about agile methodology is it puts the employees at the forefront. And it instills the sense of autonomy in the team, so traditionally you had a manager that you had to report to if agile is implemented correctly at your company, your manager is not the one telling you which stories, which are the tasks you're gonna do for that sprint for those two weeks. What happens is the manager lays out all the stories on a board, and then, as an engineer and as a team, you come together and you say, "Hey, we think that we're capable of taking these features, delivering them um." Testing them, and by the end of two weeks, we can actually release it to the users. And when you commit to it as a team, you almost take the ownership of delivering them. So it's on you. It's on you and your coworkers to do it. So if you're running late and uh, on your feature, then you might have to ask your QA person if they need more more help testing once you're done with the feature. Because you all feel accountable to deliver it. So I think that's one of the biggest things about Agile methodology. Beautiful, um, beautiful.
1: At the end of these sprints, do you guys do any reflection?
2: Yeah, so we have what's called sprint retrospectives. Mm-hmm. Okay, And in the retrospectives, we have a couple categories that we, so we use sticky notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and We have different sections. So we say what went well, mm-hmm. what didn't go so well, what should we start doing and what should we stop doing? Mm-hmm. And it's a great way for us to identify how we could do have better sprints what slowed us down during the sprint or things that we even did great in the sprint and since and my team personally has only start been doing sprint retrospectives about a couple months but i've noticed there's been significant improvement ever since we've done the sprint retrospectives because if you don't know what you're doing wrong you know how can you improve
1: yeah no i love retros because you know usually once you see the team you guys take a few minutes to just put the stickies up like you said and then you start to see the trends by like clustering them up, exactly. With the themes, circling it, and being like, "It seems like we feel this is what's most important to the group." And then you guys discuss it, and then execute and implement that feedback into the next sprint, so you guys get better over time. Is that accurate?
2: That's accurate, and it's really cool though to see when other people on your team have the same things that you said. Yeah. So that's when you know is like we either crushed it or is like something that we could improve on. Exactly, exactly, and so.
1: You know, being in sync and in rhythm is is very important, especially, you know, being Atlanta people that we understand music and rhythm and exactly. things like that. And speaking of Atlanta and, and thinking about family and you know, how you even got to think about engineering and this whole field, like tell us a little bit about about your mom and how you started thinking about engineering.
2: Yeah, definitely. So originally born in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, Boston, Boston, yeah. Okay, okay. that Super Bowl, it, it hurt, man. It hurt. It, it hurt my
1: feelings really bad. But it's
2: okay. I consider myself a ATLE. I don't see. It. I'm from Boston. I was just born there. I only lived there for three months. But
1: we, but even though I was upset about the Super Bowl situation, I do respect that they created a situation out of nothing. Yeah, and then they won. You got. No, you, we can't do nothing but respect that for sure. Learn from it, like do some a retro and exactly. bounce back bounce back
0: yeah of course when one went well what didn't go well. yeah
2: <laughs> what we should stop doing it's what not should we start?
1: over to- until it's over don't go out to the field start dancing exactly anyway, keep going with digressing
2: of course so my dad he's from boston so my family we lived in boston for like three months after i was born and then my dad went to go to mortuary school My my mom didn't like boston she thought it was a old city she didn't like it and so we moved to Atlanta and my dad went to mortuary school. Uh-huh. And so for those, unfam- yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say for those unfamiliar with mortuary school is essentially ha- is doctors of the dead. That's okay. how I like to say So okay. you work in like the funeral service, he embalms dead bodies with uh-huh. like embalming fluid stuff so like that. So your job is not to save the life. It's more like respectfully Exactly. Put it to rest. And
1: you're kind of like a therapist too, because you work with the family at the end to make sure that you know it's a it's a beautiful experience exactly right.
2: yeah. yeah so like when i was a kid my dad used to always take me to the funeral home i was terrified mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just like man but yeah and so my mom she went to university of iowa started off as engineering but switched to communications and so growing up my parents always like wanted the best for me mm-hmm. and i grew up lower middle class and but they always said i was i'm now my only child as well mm-hmm. and they were like you're going to go to college like i didn't have a choice it's like yeah. you're going to go to college so when i was i would say maybe in middle school my mom mentioned the idea of an engineer and mm-hmm. i had no idea what an engineer was uh-huh. and so i looked i googled engineer and all i see are, are men outside with hard hats on mm-hmm. and so i had a skewed perspective of what an engineer was all i thought an engineer was was a civil engineer yeah, and that wasn't quite it and so my mom she really she like she's very resourceful she always like finds different summer programs mm-hmm. things like that and so and like late middle school, I found this program by Georgia Tech. It was a week long summer program through Georgia Tech's College of Electrical and Computer Engineering. And it exposed us to electrical and computer engineering. And I knew that if I were to do engineering, it would be in that realm. Because growing up I was a huge iPod fan. Uh-huh. And like I was like, How does this thing work? How do I see the name of the song on the screen? Yeah. What like what's in the circuitry? What's the what is it made of? Yeah. And so I did that program. It was a great experience. We learned how to solder. Mm -hmm. We also created a speaker out of styrofoam and wire. And so it was really cool. So I was like, I want to do something like this. And then later down the line, going into my 11th grade summer, I did this program called Summer Engineering Institute at Georgia Tech. And I did all these programs at Georgia Tech because it's right in my backyard and it has ranked programs. Mm -hmm. And so- are these programs on uh, Georgia Tech's websites? Like how does- Someone, if we have a parent who's listening to this episode, how do they find about these programs? Yeah, definitely. So, the, I'm not sure if the ECE program still exists. It was something called Seismic, C E I S M I C. And that's how I, that was the ECE week long program. I'm not sure if it still exists. It may. But most colleges, they have similar courses yeah. that they might offer
0: to prospect students exactly. in high school just so the kids can kind of get to know what it's like to be a civil engineer. Do you think it helps with your application process into college? Oh,
2: definitely. Yes. A lot of schools have K through 12 outreach programs. And so that's how I found out about the Georgia Tech program because they have these outreach programs and they want to give back to the community Mm -hmm. and expose these students to Mm -hmm. engineering. Because when you think about it, so Georgia Tech's in the heart of Atlanta.
1: Yep. Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah. Georgia Tech's in the heart of Atlanta, but you have cities like right around Atlanta, or not cities right around Atlanta, but neighborhoods. So you have like, vine city Mm -hmm. and different cities or different neighborhoods yeah you have buckhead and you also have like bankhead you know (laughs) and so the i guess socioeconomics there is very diverse Mm -hmm. and so you have people coming from all over the world to go to georgia tech but there's people in the backyard that probably don't know about georgia tech or don't have the resources to ever go to a Georgia Tech. So I think those K yeah. through
1: twelve outreach programs are very important. There's a bunch of schools in the area. There's like Morehouse, there's Spellman, yeah. there's you no know, SCAD, like Savannah School of Emory. Design, Emory, Emory yeah, Adna Scott. So it's a really strong Clark Atlanta. Georgia State like Chancellor Rapper was just talking about going to Clark Oh Atlanta, yeah, I saw that on right?
2: Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it was> interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so you you're you're faced with all these there's a lot of educational opportunities in the area. You happen to be exposed to Georgia Tech. Was there any other things in the Atlanta ecosystem that you were exposed to, that you were thinking about that helped you get an understanding of this?
2: Yeah. In terms of tech, not really. Uh I know when I was, I want to say in middle school, I did this program at Morehouse. It was so long ago. I don't even remember what the program
1: was about. We'll Uh, just give a shout out to Morehouse regardless.
2: Shout out to Morehouse. It's a great school. Uh, It's a great school. Black excellence. Black excellence, as I like to call it. Black excellence. I like that. I like that.
1: And so you, you started thinking about, you know, Georgia Tech. And there's something unique about Georgia. So let's talk about the HOPE scholarship, what's Hope, that?
2: HOPE scholarship, yes. So what the HOPE scholarship is, if you have a 3.7 GPA in high school and you have a 1600, well, they they switched the SAT scores. So when I took it, it was out of 2,400. But if you had a 600, so each section was 800 points, so it was math, reading, and writing. So if you had a 1600 in math and reading, and you had a 3.7 GPA, you were able to get what's called Zell Miller Scholarship, which is essentially a all tuition paid scholarship to go to any school, to any public school in the state of Georgia. And if you had that 3.7 GPA, but didn't have like the 1600 math and reading score, you were still able to get hope, which was about 90%. Yeah. So I, I fell in that so range. So is that a
0: perfect score? Because 1600 sounds like you have to, is that a perfect You're score? Out of 2400 at the time. But So it's
2: math, reading and writing. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, actually I take that back. So it was a 1200 math. And, okay. Yeah, 1200. Yeah. So, yeah. Just Thank making you. sure. Yeah, so yeah. people understand. Yeah. <laughs> So it was twelve hundred. It was so long ago. Yeah, but it was a twelve hundred on math and reading. Gotcha. And so I got a little below that, and I honestly didn't think I would get into Georgia Tech, to be honest. But I got a little bit below that, but I was able to get hope scholarship, and so I got hope, and yeah. that's a ninety percent scholarship. And I was looking at other schools, so I was looking at North Carolina A and T. My mom really wanted me to go to a historically black college and university, and they're great, and and North Carolina auntie has an amazing mm-hmm. intern, uh, has an amazing engineering program. Yeah. However, I was out of state and I wasn't getting any scholarships and so yeah. I knew if, if I wanted to be smart fiscally. <laughs> excuse <laughs> me. Fiscally. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, so did you know
0: um, did you know what you wanted to do when you became a freshman in college or were you still pretty open-minded?
2: I had an idea. I knew I wanted to do something around computer engineering. And cause I really like devices yeah. and I really want to know like how they worked. Yeah.
0: So for, for people listening, explain what computer engineering is and what software engineering is, because I think a lot of people might consider them to be the same. Oh, you're a computer guy. But explain to us what the difference is.
2: No, that's an amazing question right there. So what a computer engineer is, is they're focused more on hardware. And so processors, how we can get more chips in a device. You know, I know there's something called Moore's Law. And so it's like processors get tinier and tinier every year. And so they optimize for hardware. And so when I was, so I started off as computer engineering and eventually switched to computer science. So computer engineering curriculums, and especially the one at Georgia Tech, is very electrical engineering oriented. And it's in the same school, electrical and computer engineering. And so I had to take a class called digital signal processing. And you learn about signal processing and the analog signals. You learn all, you learn about all that stuff. You learn about audio everything. And so I didn't really like that. And I had a friend that was computer science and he had an internship with Google as a software engineering Mm -hmm. intern. And so essentially what software engineering intern does is more coding, writing software and deploying things, building things. Exactly. And so I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I spent like two years at Georgia Tech as computer engineering. And during the first semester of my sophomore year, I switched to computer science. Mm -hmm. And so on this podcast, we talk a lot about getting into boot camps, like what value
0: like boot camps provide and maybe to those tuning in, typically boot camps teach you how to build apps within three months. Can you explain like what sort of things do you learn when you're a computer science major? And then uh, how do you like, what is that process of like, what does the day to day look like when you go to class? Yeah, definitely.
2: Great questions, actually. So for me, starting off as a freshman, no matter what path you take, you have to take, you know, the general education courses. So Calc 1, Calc 2, linear algebra. And then when you start going into your major specific classes as a computer science major, one thing I had to take was discrete math. And another thing we took was intro to object-oriented programming. And so in that, that's where we learned. In that class, we learned Java and we learned the object-oriented how to write software in an object oriented fashion. Mm-hmm. And so, additionally, we had to, I took a class called uh, systems. And so, that was a deeper dive into how computers work. So, it was a little bit close to what I took as an electrical and computer engineer. And so, you learn about what's under the hood of a, of a computer. So, you have, you know, the AOU, you have processors, you have a cache, and like how all of that's implemented. Mm-hmm. So, in the curriculum, I learned a lot about a lot of theory and how things work. And we had projects we had to like implement how these things work, but it was more so theory. Mm-hmm. So coming into the workforce, that was totally different because technologies emerge all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. And so as I was in, so I did internships and I know I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit yeah. later. Yeah. And so during the internships, it was different because I learned a lot of things from a theory perspective in school, but actual implementation perspective, I didn't. I wasn't like super familiar with the technology. So one thing I would say I learned the most in school is the theory, but also how to think and how to learn.
1: Yeah. And so when you were in school, you were part of this organization called the National Society for Black Engineers. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and how that community helped you?
2: Yeah, definitely. So when I was in my undergraduate career, my freshman year, I knew a lot of upperclassmen because I did the summer bridge program going to Georgia Tech called Challenge, and they recruited pretty much all the freshmen to become part of the National Society of Black Engineers. And essentially, the mission of it is to increase the number of culturally responsible Black engineers who excel academically, succeed professionally, and positively impact the community. Okay. And so uh, they ingrained that into your head. <laughs> I'm surprised I still remember. It sounds like you've said it before. Yeah, I have. I <laughs> Once have. Once or twice. <laughs> at every meeting. So we have weekly meetings every Thursday at Georgia Tech. Shout out GTSBE. Shout out GTSBE. And so at the beginning of every meeting, we stand and say the mission. It's kind of like saying the Pledge of Allegiance, you know? It's like
1: being in the front.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's
1: awesome, that's awesome.
2: So we it's ingrained in our mind. And so as a part of... The National Society of Black Engineers, especially the Georgia Tech chapter, we have a lot of corporate relationships, mm-hmm. and so we. What kind of corporate relationships do you have? Yeah, definitely. So we have different companies coming. So Edwards Life Sciences for for different disciplines. We have Apple coming through. We have Cummins coming through. All these big companies that you've heard about coming mm-hmm. to recruit talent from us. Yeah. And they talk about their companies. They say what they're doing in their companies and what they're looking for. And You'd be surprised. They actually play. They pay big money to come talk to us. I mean,
1: you all are like tens of thousands of black engineers. Exactly. A yeah. When there's a, a tech industry that's really looking for diverse candidates. Exactly. That are qualified. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, they say that there's no pipeline, but it sounds like there is. There is a pipeline. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Fake
1: news. Fake
2: news. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, as part of like Nesby, we have these opportunities to network with these companies And even if you're not looking for a job, you never know who you meet. And it's not just the companies, but it's just your peers, people from other schools that are ambitious and that are looking for the same thing as you. I built like so many amazing relationships through that organization. And it's been great, especially. And I've been able to give back and I'm going back to recruit at Georgia Tech with Twilio in September. And so it'd be good to, like, go back, tell people back at school about Twilio and different opportunities we may have. Yeah, That's maybe cute. you could tell them about our episode, too. Oh, of yeah. course. Of course. <laughs> yeah.
1: And and so, like, you know, now let's, so it's cool that you're bringing it back full circle. We talked about that community. You were also Greek while you were in there. And then, like, talk about this, like, career fair that kind of introduced you to this whole internship concept.
2: Yeah, definitely. So I guess I'll start off with Greek life. Mm-hmm. And so... I know my mom, she's Greek. She's a part of Alpha Kappa
1: Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So so it's my partner who just left and caught a flight.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) And so I know my mom, when I went to school, she was like, you're going to school for school. You're not going to school to pledge. Mm -hmm. And so I took that to heart. And especially with Georgia Tech being uh, such a rigorous and difficult school, I took that to heart. And so I actually didn't join the organization until my fourth year of college. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did four and a half years. So I had about a year and a half of an undergrad stint in the organization. I joined Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Okay. And so it's been a great experience. I really looked up to the older brothers on campus, the things they were doing, just the brotherhood that they had. And so I joined that organization. And being part of that organization, I've had new perspectives. I've seen like the service and community that, well, the community service that they've done. And I know a lot of people, when they see Greek life from our perspective, all they see is like partying and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's a, it's a lot deeper than that. And so it's really been a great experience being a part of that organization, and it led me to other opportunities, which we can talk about later. Yeah. And then the second question was career fair. Yeah. So every year, every September, Georgia Tech has a huge career fair. They actually have a regular career fair, and they have one just for the College of Computing for computer science students. Yep. Yeah. And so my first internship that I had was in summer 2014 with General Electric. I found them through the career fair, Mm -hmm. and I was placed in Salem, Virginia, Mm -hmm. and. As part of my internship, it was Salem, Virginia is like southwestern Virginia. So it's not like, it's like middle of nowhere Virginia, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) I mean, it was a good time there, but I was in Salem, Virginia and the part of GE is an old company Mm -hmm. and it's a great company, you know, very, is well known, it's been around for years. But while I was at GE, the stuff I was working on, it wasn't, I didn't really like it. So pretty much what I was doing was creating a dashboard. So, I mean, it was meaningful work. I was creating a dashboard so that the developers can see like their tests, see if they're building. And right now, there's companies that do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was just an in-house internship program. And so what I was doing was parsing data from Excel files mm-hmm. and formatting that data and presenting it in a... And that's why they way. call it internships because they're <laughs> like exposing you to real world and you kind of
0: get to experience it firsthand. And it sounds like in your case... You actually had some takeaways, right? Exactly. So like yeah. when you went back to school, what what did you do next, or what were your takeaways from that
2: first internship? Yeah, great. So that during that internship, that's when I was first introduced to Agile. Mm-hmm. And right now at Twilio, we use Jira for. Yep. Oh yeah. And so it's it's on the computer, but when I was at GE, we did Agile via sticky notes. Uh-huh. And oh, So wow. we had our tasks. We would write out our tasks. We have our columns. You know, to do, in progress, and we would manually move them. And I was working with a team of two other interns. And so it really allowed me to improve my communication skills with other people. It allowed me, and like there was conflict, not like bad conflict or anything like that, but conflict and ideas, you know, like I think this is the best way to do something. And then other people or other person on the team would say this is the best way. So it was a way to promote dialogue and actually state the facts on why my solution is better, or why their solution is better. So that's the one thing I really gained from that experience. And then, I gained experience uh, as a software engineer and it's really hard sometimes. So when you're looking for an internship, but people look for experience, but you need experience for the internship, you know? So you got to
0: take, you got to do your best to get your first internship. And then it gets, does it get easier every summer? It
2: man. It gets way easier. Yeah, It's like once you get your foot in the door, it's like opportunities are just like thrown at you, especially if you're able to to translate that on paper on a resume and also communicate that Mm -hmm. like opportunities are thrown at you. And also, just keeping like good grades and a lot of people don't think grades are super important or and like they may not be the best measurement of intelligence but it it measures like how much you care, how much effort you're going to put into something.
1: Yeah, yeah. And before talking about like how it get gets easier or harder, let's touch on a little bit about how what you just said about like sometimes you need the experience for the internship or for the job cuz you talked about personal projects. Yeah. How important are personal projects and how does that tie into experience that's relevant for a job.
2: Exactly. Great question, Ruben. So with personal projects, a lot of companies look for personal projects. So in school you have your own you have projects like class projects, but everyone does them. It doesn't differentiate you at all. And so when you talk to these companies, they want to see, they want to see initiative. They want to see what you've been doing on your own. And so they ask if you've done any side projects, if you're if you've learned things on your own. Because you know there's a ton of free resources online about how to code or new technology. So they want to see that. And so when I went to Georgia Tech's career fair, that second year after the internship at GE in Virginia, I vowed I didn't want to work for a a super corporate company ever again. I wanted to be in the San Francisco, Silicon Valley area. And so all these different companies were at Twilio, I mean, at the Georgia Tech career fair. So there was like Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, you name it. And Twilio was there. And I went to Twilio's line and it's funny because I went because it was the shortest line. <laughs> and there was a Georgia Tech grad, Doug Black. He actually recruited me. He's Shout a tech lead. Shout out to Doug. He's an API tech lead on the API team here at Twilio currently. And he went to Georgia Tech. And he, the first thing he asked me was, like, do you have any personal projects? And I was like, man. And I had just switched to computer science. And I was like, how can I finesse this? Like, I'm all about the <laughs> finesse. And so. It's a very
1: Atlanta thing.
2: It is. It is. <laughs> and so I told him I don't have any personal projects. But it's not because I don't want to. It's because of the time, and at the time, I was very involved on executive boards for like Nesby, my Nesby chapter, and different and other different organizations. And so he saw the leadership
1: perspective. Yeah, and, and it sounds like you. I saw how you finesse that. You like explained that you weren't just like building projects. You were involved in the community, exactly, working with their their projects that were relevant to whatever it is that you were looking for. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty. Smart. But for everyone
0: listening, like if you are in the kind of in a computer science or technical role Uh, there's so many tutorials nowadays Mm -hmm. that even if you spend a weekend building something then at least you have something to talk about with a a recruit with whoever you're recruiting with and you also actually pick up a new skill and like you you actually learn you learn how to apply it so maybe once you start building you realize hey i don't like javascript i don't like coding at all right so it's also important to always like challenge your assumptions and go out there and try it like the cost of starting is very low. Like there's a lot of free tutorials, so just do it, especially if you're in college.
1: Exactly. And I think it goes beyond just computer science engineering. Like if you want to do design yeah. in a tech company, you could design, do some sketches for like a retail spot. And right. just like when they ask you what you did, what your experience was, that's what you were doing. Exactly. You know, same thing with sales or same thing with any field, finance, whatever. You do finance for a lemonade stand, doesn't matter. Put that on your resume, spin it, write the bullets. That's what you work. You work for Susie's Lemonade Stand. Exactly.
2: And to add to that, I know a lot of people are like, what do I, what do I build? Like, I don't know what project I want to work on. You can honestly work on anything. But my biggest advice for that is to work on something that you really like or you really care about. Maybe it's a hobby. So, for example, I'm really into sneakers. And like in high school, I had to get all the new J's, you know. And so, What's your favorite J's? My favorite J's are my uh, black cement threes. Okay. Okay. I got
1: those. I was going to say my threes. I got threes as well. Those are
2: hot. (laughs) And so I was thinking a sneaker bot. That would be like low hanging fruit, something cool to make. Mm -hmm. And you know, like shoes like Yeezys these days, they sell out because you don't have a bot. And you can get a bot, you can pay for it. But if you want a cool project, you can build one yourself, you know? Uh Yeah. And how would it, for people listening, how would something like this work? Like what's a shoe bot? Yeah. So a sneaker bot is essentially. A bot that, so I guess to provide more context, so for shoes like Air Yeezys or uh, Yeezy Boost, not Air Yeezy, Yeezy Boost, they sell out instantaneously because so many people are hitting the website Mm -hmm. that the website crashes. And sometimes not that many people, but it's bots. And so essentially what a bot would be doing is you would input like all your personal data, so your credit card information, Mm -hmm. shipping address, Mm -hmm. and all of that, And essentially what you would be doing is constantly sending requests to Adidas's website. (laughs) And and pretty much you scrape the web or you're not scraping the web, but you're automating it. So there's something called Selenium out there. A lot of uh, test automation people use it. Mm -hmm. And what it is, you can... And put, you can pretty much get the structure, the HTML structure of their website. Mm -hmm. And so, say there's fields or something like that, you can auto populate them. And so, it's instantaneously, (laughs) it's instant, it's instantaneous, and it's way faster than you actually inputting your input. So, people who are like still thinking that hey, I could get this ticket to this popular show
0: by just going to the website and clicking the refresh button. We've been there before. Well, we have, but (laughs) that was back in the day, room. But (laughs) you're way behind the latest tech because nowadays for concert tickets for shoes for everything it's there impossible are, man there are bots that are hitting the link and then by the time even like 30 seconds afterwards it's gonna be sold out because it was all done um, by bots but if you're a student especially if you know if you're studying computer science then if you build a bot you get a cool uh, pair of shoes or A concert ticket—that could be a great story to tell your interviewer. High frequency, instead of high frequency trading, it's high frequency shoe buying. Exactly, exactly.
1: exactly. I know a
2: lot of tech companies, and I know Nike's definitely on the cutting edge of like technology, Uh, and they're like trying to prevent bots because they're like, you know, it ruins the the sneakerhead culture. uh, But bots are definitely taking over.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and that and that actually makes it real for you. It's like a lot of times people may not like math or learning an instrument or something like that, but like. Once you figure out how it's applicable to your life, yeah. you know, then, you know, you enjoy it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And, then, and you're more passionate about it. And interviewers and recruiters, they love to see that you're passionate about something. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your second second summer with Toyo. Yeah. So after my, so summer 2015, that was my first, I would say, real internship. And one thing that really hit me was imposter syndrome. I was like, you know, I landed this internship, but I never really had a real tech internship. Like. I wouldn't consider my internship at GE Tech. Yeah, and so I came out here, and to be honest, like I heard of API, but I was like, you know, APIs. How do they work? What is HTTP protocol? Yeah. like all of that stuff. And so what Twilio does is every new hire they they pair you with a buddy. Mm-hmm. And so my buddy, his name was Triet, and he we were on the messaging services team, and the messaging services team at Twilio is a team that actually powers the sending text messages. Mm-hmm. And so that's where during that internship, I learned a great deal from creating web services. And during that internship, I was writing Scala, which is a functional programming language that runs on the Java virtual machine. And so I was exposed to a lot of different things. And it's actually really cool because that next semester after that internship, I took a networking class and they talked about HTTP, TCP protocol, all these different protocols. And I kind of had a I was ahead of the game at that point. Mm-hmm. And were you a uh, p- uh, pair programming with someone who was already like out of college or? Yeah. So Tria, he, he'd been working for a while. He yeah. was like a senior engineer. Mm-hmm. He had worked at Skype before. Oh, wow. So he had like vast experience. Skype mafia. Yeah, exactly. And so like me, I was just able to like soak all of his knowledge. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a wonderful experience. So that mentorship was important. Mentorship. Yes. Mentorship is very important. Like, it doesn't matter if it's an official mentor. I know there's people all the time, like Charles, uh, who was just here. He's yep, shout out Charles. Shout out Charles. He's sales at at Twilio, and I just met him a couple months ago. But I'm like, Charles, I'm gonna adopt you as my mentor. Like that's no matter dope. no matter what stage you are in life, you can always use a mentor. Yeah,
1: and then, and then also I think that's that's relevant too, because like you talked about mentors within your same field, and then people in different fields. Right. You no, know, you don't always want to be surrounded by the same people that think the same way. You could learn exactly from, from all kinds of verticals. And yeah, skills. and tell us a
0: little bit about the structure of internships because usually, like I think in finance, like you tr- you, I, I guess when you're an intern, you kind of want to pick a project and kind of make it your own over the summer, and then by the end you can't be judged by it. Yeah, kind of what was it like at Twilio and like what from your experience, typical internships look like?
2: Yeah, so I had two internships at Twilio: so summer 2015 and summer 2016, and they both looked a little different. So during my first internship. I was on the messaging services team and I worked part of the team. So as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about Sprint and Agile. And so we talked about like taking tickets from the board and working on them. So that's what I did as part of the services team. And I was able to pair program with people and I learned a lot. And the second summer, actually, I only had a six-week internship because Twilio let me do a study abroad program through my school for the last four weeks of summer. And so I studied abroad in Spain. But for that experience, I actually had my own project. And at the time, I was the first intern to start. And so I was able to learn a lot through that because I wasn't only the software engineer because there was supposed to be a PM intern, but he hadn't started yet. I was a PM. So I was able to get different perspective mm-hmm. in how in the lifespan of a project. Mm-hmm, totally. And what was it like kind of going from being like in a classroom to actually working in production with Real code and like real consequences. Yeah, definitely. So and consequences, real consequences. So at school, like the projects that you do is you can hack these together. You know, most times they're graded by auto grader. They don't care about, you know, how you did it as long as you got the right answer. But in a production level, especially like at a company like Twilio, where things matter and well, I feel like every company things matter, but (laughs) if you have an outage or something like that, that, that can affect the company significantly. And so. When you write code, it has to be you know clear, concise. You have to write tests for your code, and like in school, we weren't really writing tests, so you have to have the quality has to be there. And then after you feel like you're done with that ticket, you submit what's called a pull request, and we use GitHub for our version control. So you would submit a pull request to GitHub, and you have a couple engineers review it. And you need uh, back then you need like two plus ones, so people would look at it, they were they would give feedback, and I always got like a lot of feedback on my, it's like when the teacher writes on your paper with red ink. (laughs) Those are my
1: pull requests. (laughs) So so the red ink is good feedback that you're getting. Yes, feedback. You actually see that as valuable. Of course, yeah. So a lot of people historically see red ink and they get like depressed. Yeah. But you were like, oh, all right, this is what I got to work on.
2: Exactly. And it's like, these are the things that I, I didn't know. And it's like, I guarantee you, if you make a mistake or something, you'll never make that mistake again, or it'll be it'll be hard to make that mistake yeah. again. <laughs> and that's actually
0: something that um, as you're selecting companies, you should emphasize in your interviews because companies that don't do pull requests, whether you're applying for an internship or a full-time job, that means that you're not going to get the right feedback and you're not going to grow as an engineer because... That just that's a pretty uh, um, big red flag that the engineering culture is very kind of very weak. Because right. at strong companies usually you have at least two three people comment. Exactly. And they'll give you some kind of things you've never even thought about before, exactly. and that's how you learn. So it's important to probe that and kind of find out from by speaking with engineers or hiring managers like what the process looks like. Right.
1: Exponential um, growth, not inc- incremental yeah. growth. And right. especially
0: if you're going to be doing an internship, you want to be. At a company that will teach you something. That's not just going to let you merge your dirty code. Exactly. And I think it also brings up an interesting point because no matter whether you did a computer science degree or you did a coding boot camp, I think each side thinks that, hey, like the people who are graduating from college and get like jobs in tech they already know everything so they don't make as many mistakes as i do the reality is like if you're starting a new job each team has their own technologies that they use obviously like the senior engineers have probably made the same mistake you have when they were first starting out and that's how they learned not to make the mistake again so i think it's okay for you to kind of be open with your team and ask questions and ask the question why Versus kind of feeling embarrassed and feeling that imposter syndrome of like, hey, uh, they're going to discover that I don't know
2: how to ride this like for loop or whatever. You know, no, that's an amazing point. And know sometimes or oftentimes in the developer community, there's kind of like this elitist attitude. Like, you know, I write perfect code and <laughs> I don't make mistakes. And yeah. it's like, oh, this person like can't code. And, and yeah. I feel like a lot of people, they see that and they're discouraged. But definitely ask questions. You know, there's no such thing as a, a stupid question because say you didn't ask that question and you caused like an incident for the company or something like that. It's like you're like, oh, man, like I should have asked that question. Mm, yeah. So I think that's really important to ask questions during an internship because that's what they're for. The, your, the people on your team don't expect you to know everything and they don't know everything either. But it's for knowledge transfer and to make you a better engineer.
1: Yeah. And so asking questions, is it only important during internships?
2: No, it's important in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, agree.
1: I agree with that. Cool, man. Is there, is there anything else about apprenticeships or Twilio on the job training or anything that you feel is relevant from a job perspective for the people listening here in other countries or in Atlanta?
2: Yeah. Uh, one thing that I would say is, you know, the technical skills are very important. But more than that the people skills I would say are important yeah and so too many people get caught up in the technical details of things or like knowing every single language my well at least what I personally believe and I've heard other people say this more senior engineers it's like if you know one language you can learn any language is yeah. more so knowing how to learn but also your willingness to learn and your attitude that can go a long way because they can teach anyone how to do this stuff mm-hmm. but People have to work with you on a daily basis. And yeah. so people, I know at a lot of different companies, they have what's called culture fit. Mm-hmm. And so they take that into perspective in the interviews. And so is this person? Is this a person that I would want to work with? Like You could be the yeah. smartest person in the world, but if you're hard to work with and yeah. stuff like that. So I would definitely say, you know, as while you're working on your technical skills, additionally work on those soft
1: skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it took okay. a long time to find people that I could just talk with all night, every day, recording podcast interviews. And so Timo, tell, tell them where we're about to go.
0: Yeah. So at this point in our podcast, we do the lightning round. And this is where we'll ask you several questions. We're looking for things that our listeners can um, implement. So we're looking for actionable advice. Any tactics that helped you get to where you are today? Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So imagine you could send out a text message to everyone in the world. Now you work for Twilio. so Maybe you already have. But if let's say you were sending it to everyone, what would it be? Hmm.
2: If I could send a text message to everyone, yeah. what would my message be? It would be, you're great. Like channel the inner greatness that you have inside yourself. Don't psych yourself out of opportunities. So many people do that. And so just be great, be confident in yourself and take advantage of things. Like I told you all earlier, I kind of finessed the Twilio internship. I mean, mm-hmm. look at me now so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not take it till you bake it right take it till yeah. you make it so definitely like go after those opportunities yeah
1: there's a there's a great Jay-Z song that starts off that way called F-U-T-W check it out starts off talking about just let me be great oh yeah um, so I know that song. Spe- speaking of music since we're from ATL and we're talking about hip hop right now yeah who is your favorite rap artist and what's th- your favorite song that helps you get through your your um your day-to-day work basis
2: Man, that's a great question. So right now, I've lately been on Black. Okay. Six Black. <laughs> okay, okay. And he's actually from Atlanta. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the six is for Zone 6. Yep. For those who don't know, East Atlanta. Yeah, Gucci.
1: East Atlanta. Gucci we out here. <laughs>
2: yeah, so I'm, I've really been feeling him. He's an up and coming artist. And also, there's been times at work, I just need to get hype, you know, yep. and I just turn on, you know,
1: Ever ever oh ever, yeah ever, 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 I mean, ever, ever. I've been on my level that's 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 the classic classic ATL stuff yeah, yeah no back in the day so
2: I have this shirt that has uh, it's a Levi's shirt and it has a peach on it and it says Atlanta I always wear it to yeah. work and yeah it's
1: good stuff man nice. it's good
0: yeah man so for um, anyone uh, who's also trying to break in do you have any advice on uh, like any advice that they should be doing in college or in high school in order to kind of get to where you are in your career?
2: Yeah. One thing I wish I had personally done when I was younger was coding Mm -hmm. because I know there's so many people that learn to code when they're like seven years old. And I think that's crazy. I met a kid the other day. He's been coding since he was six. He's 11 now. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I would really strongly advise is like there's so many free resources out there, Codecademy, even just learning the basics and building something that will be useful in your life. And it doesn't have to be anything extravagant, but building something useful. So I would say learn those skills early because once you like have the foundation, you can build upon it yeah. and it, it differentiates you even more. So yeah. differentiate yourself. But it's not too late to even learn. Oh how. yeah, it's never too late. So, yeah. It's never too and late. And speaking of building things that you think are useful, you're actually working on a project yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, part of a Greek organization, a black Greek organization called Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. And so when I moved to San Francisco, February 2017, and at the beginning, when I first moved here, I wanted to connect with people in Phi Beta Sigma or in other Greek organizations, and I couldn't really find anyone. I The only way I could find people was by stalking them on Instagram, and I found that that wasn't a good experience. It wasn't a centralized experience. So what I'm working on right now, I'm working with the team, I'm working as a CTO, and we're building an app called Kemet. And essentially what Kemet is, is a social network for Black Greeks or people in Black Greek organizations. And so it allows them to connect, find people in their area. And what we plan on going with it is allowing people to find mentors on there. There's been so many times people and like being in one of these organizations, it pre qualifies you for a position or something like that. So allowing people to be able to network professionally and just build that online community of connecting people. So that's what I've been working on. So, That's beautiful. Let us know when it launches and we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, and thank if you. If you
1: need to be connected to the, to the homie, you know who Tiwa is? He T-Y. runs the Atlanta Greek Picnic. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, I, I've good. heard of him, but I don't know him personally. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make that connect. No problem. Appreciate no problem. you, Ruben. Speaking of family, um, and now that you've, it sounds like you took their advice and are doing this today, um, can you tell us a little bit more about how they feel and then what would you tell them that you appreciate?
2: Oh, man. Yeah. Man, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, like the sacrifices they made. Yeah, like I know growing up, my parents were like discussing finances around me. Yeah, because I guess they felt like I shouldn't know, I shouldn't have to worry about it. But like, in my mind always knew like money was tight. Money was tight. I would overhear conversations, and I would overhear conversations talking about you know the bills behind stuff like that. And, but they sacrificed their last for me. Like, yeah. if there's something like I needed, they would do it. Yeah. And I didn't mention this, but uh, second through ninth grade, so the, the Cap County public school system wasn't the best. Yeah. It's getting there, yeah. but it wasn't the best, so... I actually went to a private school, and like Mm -hmm. they, it was a school called Green Forest uh, Christian Academy. I know Green Forest. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it wasn't like super expensive, but Mm -hmm. they scraped the money for me to get a good education. And Mm -hmm. I know I used to always want to go to public school. I was like, I want to go to public school. We'll still
1: give a shout out to the. Oh yeah, of of course.
2: Shout out to Cap. And I went to a public school Mm -hmm. uh, tenth to twelfth grade, Mm -hmm. and so that was a cool experience as well. And I'm glad I had that opportunity. But the fact that they sacrificed it so that I could have a good education i thought that was yeah uh, really important so thank you for that
1: yeah out, shout out to sacrifices period everybody that sacrificed in our life people that looked out and, and made these type of things happen and uh, we we are all grateful for you and and to all of our families yeah.
0: shout out mom and dad shout, shout out,
1: out mom, mom and, and dad, dad. <laughs> um and so kyle um we look forward to checking out Kim at, uh, and everything that you do here at twilio powering you know, whenever our packages arrive at our door and things like that, how do we how do we stay in touch with you?
2: Yeah, definitely. So you can follow me on Instagram at Calculus, k y l e c u uh-huh. l that, u s. That's a wordplay on calculus. I Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, I do have a Snapchat. My Snapchat is don't don't laugh at me. I didn't know you could not change your Snapchat <laughs> name. So it's KJ Wade three. So KJ is my first two initials, uh-huh. and then Wade W A D E three. I was a huge D Wade fan okay, way back that's in cool. two thousand six. Cool. You know, yeah, Miami yeah. Oh he, he was uh, at the heat no, he was on the heat at yeah, the time. And yeah. so I was like a huge uh D Wade fan. I yeah. uh, hear rumors like I'm going, maybe going to Boston. I don't know. Uh, no, nah,
1: I like Chicago. I, I go to Chicago. I like him in Chicago. Oh, yeah. To but yeah, you sense. can find me on there.
2: <laughs> if you're listening and say you're in a Greek organization, you can follow Kemet Network. That's K H E M E T N E T W O R K. Yeah, you're
1: on Twitter too, right?
2: I am on Twitter at the same Instagram handle which is calculus, K Y L E C
1: U L U S. And any oh. any final words for Georgia Tech and people that that looked out for you out there?
2: Yeah, I just want to say shout out to everyone that came before me that always gave me the words of wisdom for the late night prayers, you know, I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> and the slo-
1: the slogan what's the slogan of Georgia Tech? Go Jackets, man. Yeah, yeah. Fight win. <laughs> Some rambling wreck. Rambling say.
2: wreck from Georgia Tech and a hell of an engineer. Let's go. Yo, thank <laughs> you for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks you for being here. Thanks for checking us out.
0: We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't want you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.